listener production. David Hunt, thank you for agreeing to this involuntary interrogation. What am I doing here? Trust no one. The level of sedition, anti-authority behaviour and advertiser-unfriendly thought crime has reached record levels, especially amongst Australia's elites. Treason. Luckily, the men and men of The Chaser have been commissioned by Border Force to conduct interrogations and sort out the subversives from the Patriots. Betrayal. In conjunction with ASIO and the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Protocols, this is Extreme Vetting with The Chaser. The Chaser. Today we're interrogating one of Australia's leading historians, the author of the brilliant, hilarious and best-selling book, Gert, David Hunt. Oh, I don't read books. Charles, you need to understand history so we can repeat it. Yeah, right. Like, like what? Well, he's written very scathingly and amusingly about how since Europeans arrived here, their government's been hopeless, corrupt and really quite racist. Oh, yeah, that does sound like us. Our mission comes from Minister Dutton himself. We have to get him to change his mind and hopefully also some facts. Good, I'll make sure the taser's fully charged for this one. We've brought you here because uh, you're well known for your history books, Gert and True Gert. Yeah, and should be a very quick, quick in- involuntary interview then. Yeah, well, the thing that actually sp- spiked our interest was uh, that you're also a speechwriter for Joe Hockey. Yeah. Can, you, uh, can you tell us about that? Oh, look, it was one of those... Uh, sort. Of, I think I was probably on drugs at the time that Joe uh, called me and called me in for a cup of coffee. He said, David, come and have a cup of coffee. Uh, and then while I was having a cup of coffee and was at my weakest, he said, David, would you be my speechwriter? And I said, Joe, I'm going to think about it. And then I thought the money would be quite good and I'd only have to sell out all of my political principles. Uh, and so then I said, uh, yeah, sure, send the contract through. And uh, before anything happened, before I signed on the dotted line, somebody leaked it to the press, front page of the Sydney Morning Herald, my own mother trolled me on Facebook. <laughs> and that was the end of my career as a Liberal Party speechwriter. It lasted about mm, six hours, I think. How would you have gotten yourself into Joe Hockey's head? Did you have a plan in mind? Oh, I was going to take over, if not if not the world, uh, Australia, or if not Australia, at least Hunter's Hill, which I think is where uh, Joe's, Joe was living at the time. Um, no, look, I actually really like the bloke. I've, uh, I thought um, he is a, a smooth conversationalist. He is a charming, witty and erudite man. And... Um, and he, and he brews a decent coffee or has, has a functionary to brew it for him. And when was this? Was this before the Lifters and Leaners line? That wasn't one of yours because that was a classic. I, I, I did Poor People Don't Drive Cars. Uh, <laughs> it was actually about a week after Poor People Don't Drive Cars uh, oh. that I think he realised that, that, that perhaps he needed a, a, it, a, a, a sensitive... A left-leaning uh, a speechwriter. But had he had he read your book? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's that's why he invited me in for a cup of coffee. Can we have a chat, actually, Charles? Yeah, sure. We'll just step outside. 
this is going better than I could have imagined. I mean, he has no principles. <laughs> None at all. He's even worse than us. Yeah. Well, we work for Borderfall. Yeah, yeah, maybe about the same. This is going to be great. Uh, what can we get him to do? Probably anything. Well, I think, I mean, if he's an historian, right, we should just get him to write the correct version of history. Oh, no black armbands. No black armbands. Oh, that sounds fantastic. All right, let's, let's go back in and butter him up, shall we? Yep. David, mate. Buddy, uh, where did it all start for you? Where's tell, my coffee? Tell us where the Dave Hunt uh, story he, began. Oh, no, a, sorry, he, I've been called into uh, an interview by Conservative Forces and I'm used to getting a coffee. Okay, he, here's a coffee and I promise you it's not spiked. They won't let us near the booze, that's all right. <laughs> so when you were a kid, mm. did you get in trouble? Were you a law-abiding kid or did you push the envelope? Uh, oh, look, I... I, I pushed the envelope in terms of fashion sense. I had um, I used to wear a, a, a big blue raincoat and dirty white sneakers to school. Uh, I had long hair, uh, almost down to my elbows, um, in sort of a strange print valiant cut fringe at the front. Um, and my nickname was Stench. Uh, so that probably tells you a little bit uh, 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 about my childhood. And, and what's the worst thing you ever did as a kid? Um, I still have I still have uh, the occasional recurring nightmare in a year five sort of improvised school uh, performance. Uh, we were all doing little musical things and skits on stage for other kids in the school, and I thought it would be really funny to get a bucket of water and throw it on an unsuspecting friend of mine. I thought this would lighten up the mood, and he and he burst into tears and. Oh. Um, and I felt terrible, and I actually still have the occasional. Uh, I actually bounced off a mini tramp with a bucket of water, and then sort of poured it all over him. And uh, I, I still have have the occasional uh, dream about that and a feeling of wretchedness and guilt. We can help with that. Um, the buckets of water are very common around here, mm. but the guilt we can absolutely help train away yeah. if you need us to. Mm. You, you've you've been to the Malcolm Fraser School of Waterboarding, have you, with the buckets of water? Yeah, well, it's all there is to do on Nauru. That's all they've got is water, yeah. really, in the middle of the ocean. When did you start your interest in history? There was this this little ginger guy I went to, to uni, um, oh, he was a four years behind me at uni, Charles Firth, and he, he said, I've got this really, really good idea for a history television show, a, a sketch comedy history of Australia called The Complete and Utter History of Australia. Uh, he said it's going to be great. Uh, you can work on it as a script writer uh, because you're, unem- well, you're unemployable. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I sort of actually got into to, to history uh, through Charles Firth as sort of part of a comedy writing geek and of course Charles's project went nowhere and I've become a internationally renowned Australian history writer. And your books uh, sold really well, haven't they? Gert and True Gert. Yes. Oh, well, Gert sold really well and, and True Gert has been something of a qualified disappointment to my publishers. I think. Can I have a word actually, Charles? Yeah, sure. Charles, you idiot. I know. What have you got to say for yourself? What You could have been Dave Hunt. Well, the thing is that um, when we were doing the TV project, before he arrived, we just used Wikipedia for all our research, right. the, the history show, and then he arrived and he started doing actual proper research. It oh. was very disconcerting. How Which, could you let this happen? I know, I know, I know. I should have... Uh, you could have been the one being interviewed instead of the yeah. interviewer. If only I'd been as talented as him. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a shortcoming. All right, let's, let's go back in. Okay. 
So you owe Charles a lot, is what you're saying? Well, he didn't actually pay me for the writing gig, so I think it's probably the other way around. (laughs) But, Dave, can you tell us about Wikipedia? Why did you object to us using Wikipedia as our our primary resource for writing a history sketch show? I think I was more concerned that you did not know that there were other resources. Uh, It was was primary, secondary and tertiary, as far as I could make out. Uh, So when I came in and said maybe I should actually read um, a book uh, and you said what's that, then I thought, geez, uh, I, I better provide some intellectual grunt you, uh, to this failed project that, that never went anywhere. To write good, yeah. you actually spent a lot of time in the library, didn't you? You actually went to Mitchell and yeah. and went through the diaries of, you know, dead white males. I remember you went through the um, Eureka Stockade entry uh, on Wikipedia mm. and in, in the short, it's only about a page and a half long, and you discovered 54 errors in that page. Do you remember that? I, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, I suspect you are now trying to trick me into revealing revolutionary sentiments, <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to do that because you guys work for the wrong crew. Uh, I'm, I'm utterly opposed to the Eureka Rebels. I'm a law-abiding Australian citizen. Uh, so you don't like unions? I don't like who? Unions. Oh, I can't, I can't, can't stand them. Uh, I occasionally do speaking gigs um, for them. Uh, you know, I'm prepared to take their money as well as Joe Hockey's, I'm, uh, but, but no, I hate them all. David, let me make it quite clear mm. to you. You're already in a lot of trouble. We, you've already admitted to hanging out at libraries, and that is in <laughs> itself sort of seditious behaviour in our book. That's because the current government dislikes and distrusts all educational institutions where learning maybe on offer. Yes. I used to think Australian history was very boring and dull until mm. I read your books and, and found that it was entertaining. And it seems as though the whole history of Australia since Europeans arrived is basically a bunch of dodgy blokes doing dodgy stuff and getting away with it. Is that true? Well, I think that would probably account for about 85% of Australian history. When a guy um, like MacArthur... Yeah, yeah. The sheep whisperer. Sheep whisperer. Uh, so look, can you tell us, give us some examples of dodgy blokes getting away with stuff because we want to learn from this. This is what we need. Mm. Minister oh, yeah. Dutton has asked us yeah. to get some precedents mm. for how someone who incompetent can triumph. Well, uh, I think MacArthur it bears many parallels to Trump. When he was uh, put on trial by the governor, he simply said this is an illegitimate process. Uh, you've got no right to try me. The jury were stacked with military officer allies of his and they basically rebelled and said, we're not going to try this bloke who's been bringing rum and other goodies into the country and, and making us rich. So he basically ignored the entire justice system and then engineered Australia's one and only military coup uh, against Governor Bly. So he, he was a guy who would never back down. Uh, if you said white, he said black uh, and was prepared to lie through his teeth to get what he wanted um, and was an incredibly effective... Um, uh, behind-the-scenes operator in turbocharging the Australian economy, um, turning turning us in from sort of a convict sort of here um, you have a turnip or here you have you you have some goat milk to actually sort of buying and selling stuff and making money. So he made Australia great again before it was even called Australia. And how did he get the ear of the military? Uh, he was he was a military officer in the New South Wales Corps, otherwise known as the the, the Rum Corps. So 
he came out on the second fleet uh, and realised that there was a uh, a gap in the market. Uh, he he was an inspector of, of public works uh, out at Parramatta, and his idea of um, supervising public works was getting all of the convicts who were doing public works and putting them all on the farms of soldiers and getting them to do private works. Brilliant. Yeah, and then um, and then uh, illegally importing goods uh, and and selling them at markups of up to a thousand percent. We can uh, work with this, I think. Yeah. At another point in our history of reading your books, I know that we actually went to cannibalism. Is that something that um, you we all went, us using? What do you? I mean, if we all went to cannibalism, some there of us, any of us left. Some of us went to cannibalism. <laughs> uh, some of us went to cannibalism. We are. I mean, the way things are going with with Border Force and the AFP, yeah. we're willing to try anything new just to cut, get some cut mm. through. Uh, well, Alexander Pierce, the uh, the famous cannibal convict, uh, his his last lines. Uh, his, uh, as he was hanged from the gallows in, in uh, Hobart in the 1820s were, man's flesh is delicious. It tastes far better than fish or pork. Um, those are pretty immortal last lines. Tasmania, in, in fairness, was the seat of Australian cannibal culture. Uh, there were several prominent Tasmanian cannibals. Um, and uh, I think up on the mainland... We only did it when we were desperate. Um, in Tasmania, they did it for fun. Why don't we have that? Like, that feels like it should be front and centre of Australian identity. Yeah, if they'd taught me that in Year mm. 9, I would have loved Australian history, yeah. I think. Well, why Why do those stories just fall through the gaps in Australia? Why, why don't we have more of a sense of... Like, that's a great story. That's so metal. Metal. It is metal. I think. I think probably you say to the educational institutions... We need to educate our year five kids more about psycho guys eating each other in <laughs> Tasmania. And they say, mm, the curriculum's looking a little bit crammed at the moment. Can't we talk about gender equality or why not to take drugs instead? And I think that's perhaps where the cannibal convict bit of our curriculum has been edged out, and I think that's very unfortunate. Well, what about coups? Because, look, Minister Dutton was going to launch uh, a bid, and he, he did, in fact, launch a bid. It, it didn't mm. work out. ScoMo got the gig. Mm. Obviously, mm. he's lying in wait and plotting. Obviously. and look, what, what they do. It's what they do. Of course, it's what he's doing right now. So, But at one point in New South Wales history, a very, very insipid rebellion yeah. uh, came up. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Because I think Minister Dutton could could perhaps do it again. He could, he could learn from the Rome Rebellion. Mm. You could. Uh, so we're talking the 26th of January, uh, which is a very important day uh, for for conservative politicians. It, it was the day that they say is Australia Day, 26th of January, 1808. Call it Rum Day, shouldn't Call we? it Rum Day. Uh, um, and so Governor Bly uh, has tried to um, uh, persecute John MacArthur for his, his various crimes. Uh, the soldiers of the Rum Corps have said no. George Johnson, who's the leader of the Corps, had had a, a drink-riding accident the night before, crashed his carriage on the way back to his home in Annandale, as one does, and actually got out of his sickbed, came into Sydney and organised Australia's only military coup um, after springing MacArthur. And it's really unusual um, because there were no weapons drawn, there were soldiers marching on Government House playing flutes, uh, singing, 
playing drums. It was sort of a musical affair. And the only armed resistance comes in the form of Governor Bly's daughter, Mary Putland, who stands at the gates of Government House and assaults the Corps soldiers with her parasol. Mm, ScoMo's got two daughters. Mm. This could be difficult. Two parasols. We need parasols. We need to get some parasols. Ramen parasols. Yeah. Well, yeah. I but think wait, wait, was could... it an effective weapon? It wasn't an effective weapon. Well, uh, well, I mean, it didn't. It didn't stop the coup. But I mean, if, but if you mm. if you think about what other nations do when they have mm. a military coup, I mean, you've got America. You've got the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, the Declaration of Independence. You've got the French King and Queen beheaded at the guillotine. Russia, millions killed in bloody purges. And we've got a bit of a bit of a sing along and a, a crazy chick with a small paper umbrella, and I think that's what makes Australian history great, and what will make Australian history great again. Is there some way that in into this uh, history that you're writing, this entertaining history, mm. you could paint a very heroic picture of border force, mm. um, the camps? Yes. Uh, just if you make it seem more larrikin, because at the moment people object to us yeah. locking up people indefinitely without trial and. Staying them on islands. Is there a way we could make it seem heroic, fun, and, and larrikin? Well, well, we've been doing it. We've been doing it um, ever since we arrived. The first thing we did when we arrived was we said, "Hey, we're going to set up a camp on Norfolk Island," and so we moved our most uh, uh, unpleasant convicts away from Sydney and we parked them on Norfolk Island. Uh, then, in the uh, the eighteen thirties, we thought there are actually some Aboriginal people in Tasmania. We don't want them here. We're going to go and park them all on Flinders Island in the Bass Strait. So we've been dumping people on islands for years. We have. Uh, and we've been putting them in reserves. Uh, and in terms of camps uh, during World War I, um, if your name was Schmidt uh, or Fritz, uh, then chances were you were going to get rounded up and put in our very, very own sort of enemy alien camps that we set up throughout Australia. So we have a proud tradition of taking people who've done absolutely nothing wrong at all, apart from the convicts who were sent to Norfolk Island because they were a bit dodgy, um, and parking them on islands or uh, in, in heavily controlled camps on the mainland before we came up with the idea of saying islands weren't actually part of Australia and that it became much easier to park people. Maybe we should look at a slogan, Nauru, it's the new Norfolk Island. Mm. Mm. There you go. Yeah, well, Norfolk Island was originally founded because it was believed that we could, uh, the British could grow hemp there. Hello. Hello. I mean, maybe, maybe if the the good folk of Nauru grew hemp, if only they had any any soil at all that could be used for any then, purpose. Well, yeah, you can you can you can can plant a bit of a uh, bit of the good gear in 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 the bird shit that they have there. Still got a little bit left, I think. <laughs> well, look. This could be interesting. I mean, yeah. this is the first idea. Can I just have a word, actually, Charles? Yeah, let's, let's go outside. Charles, this notion of hemp, this is the first idea I've heard in a long time that actually might help Minister Dutton be popular. He yeah. could be the hemp guy. Yeah, and he, he sort of looks like this. He looks a lot like Bob Marley, if you think about it. He looks like a yeah. sort of smokable bud, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. This could, this could be good. I know it's unconventional, mm. but if people, instead of thinking of him as the potato guy, thought of him as the hemp guy. The hemp guy. This could be pretty interesting. He could wear a caftan. That could be his new thing. Unbutton with Dutton. Caftan Pete. <laughs> They'd call him. All right. Now, David, look, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of 
of Australian history and no principles. Mm. Can we cut a deal? Uh, you're going to offer me more than a coffee. I mean, it's not. I've never be... been offered more than a coffee before. I can't. Charles didn't even offer me a coffee when when, when we when we did the TV thing. Obviously, we're going to compromise all of your principles and yeah. uh, whatever respect you've earned in the past, past few years, but it's going to be better than working for Joe Hockey. Possibly not. What are you putting on the table? Would you be prepared to write a correct version of history for yes. us? That's what oh, we want. So I've, I've written an unauthorised history of Australia. You want mm. me to write an authorised mm. history of Australia, authorised by... Yeah, Border Force and the AFP. Border Force. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a good gig, yeah. Well, what we want is to sort of revise revisionism. Mm. and Post-revisionism. Yeah. Mm. It's more redactionism. Like, Mr Dutton's vision is for a history of Australia yeah. that's almost entirely redacted, mm. but quite complementary. Look, I think that will actually be easy for me to write because I can just sort of knock off about, you know, 120 pages and then black most of it out, so you won't actually know whether what? I've written anything or not. Except we don't like the colour black. See? Ah, yeah. no, no, okay, okay. In fact, it, it's uh, ideally you wouldn't mention black at all. Well, particularly black armbands, David. You can't have them in there. Can we maybe redact in, I don't know, red or, or green? Mm. White out. Well, I could just... Yes. Covers, mm. some blank pages, mm. uh, insert history here. Uh, and then you can make your own history. This book intentionally left blank. A history according to Border Force. Because the thing is, you wouldn't, like, one thing we don't want is the idea that Australia has any sort of racism in its history at all. What's, mm. what's racism? Exactly. Thank you. Well, it was in your, your previous book, mm. and I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, What was you my previous have... book? <laughs> exactly. This is sounding positive. Oh, this is very good. We've got him. Book, line and sinker. Who's David Hunt? It's been said of David Hunt that he's the one man Peter Fitzsimons fears. Can you take down Fitzy? Because he doesn't help our cause. He's such a lefty. Uh, look, I uh, I tried to um, to sneak into his um, gated compound on the leafy North Shore one night, wearing a black bandana in the hope that that would, you know, stop the moonlight reflecting off my bald pate, just to see what sort of industrial history-making machine Fitzy has going there. Mm. Um, he has 20 people that he has kidnapped from a an Indian call centre that mm. he has installed in his basement to just write Australian history. Is that how he managed to get a whole book out of Kim Beasley? Because, frankly, I was thinking pamphlet. No, no Beasley's a big bloke. He's, 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 he's worth a book. He's, he's, in fact, he's probably worth two or three volumes. There may be no hope for you, David. No, no, no. I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Peter is is comfortable and secure in his publishing power, and has nothing to fear from the historian formerly known as David Hunt, and now known as whatever Border Force wants me to be known as. Uh, mission accomplished, I think, Charles. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's it. And we didn't even get to tase him. Can we just tase you once? Here we go. Ah! David Hunt, it's been a pleasure. Uh, be prepared to be scrubbed from history and your book's taken off the shelves. Thank you. It's got to beat Joe Hockey. Extreme Vetting with the Chaser was written and presented by Dom Knight, Charles Firth and Andrew Hansen. Produced by Alex Mitchell and audio production by Darcy Thompson. For all episodes, search Extreme Vetting Podcast.
listener.